society now has such high expect what is it high expectations of everybody being perfect and we were just talking about how you know that's so misleading and actually it's not good news for a society a society to develop and grow has to have the ability to acknowledge error Hello and welcome to Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. And today we are possibly both too tired to talk. We have this, we have this system where we have a shared Google google docs for show notes where we put ideas down. So when we're writing just before we get together and talk, we can see what the other person who's writing is an aid memoir and it's it's quite funny I could see what Louise was writing about and I just kind of wrote I'm too tired to talk today so what we are going to be discussing today is the kind of um myths and preconceptions misconceptions really that we might have at the beginning of what it takes to be successful or recognized that's the wrong word because I don't feel successful or recognized in a way, but mistakes maybe that we make at the beginning of the path and see if maybe we can debunk some of those. Because I think when we feel released from that, it's a little bit easier to make our make our journey, make the next step forward. But first of all, we're going to be talking about what we've been doing this week. Why are you mm-hmm. so tired? <laughs> framing. This is what I wrote that was making Alice chuckle. I wrote Framing, 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 framing. Oh, and some more <laughs> framing. <laughs> so I did this. Um, I calculated out the prices for my exhibition, first of all, in a spreadsheet and worked out how much everything was going to cost and what the gallery commission was going to be and what the framings at frames had cost me and looked at my profit and thought, hmm, if I then pay someone to frame, and I then have to hire a van because I'm paying for the work to go up there and they're paying, we're splitting the cost. So they'll pay to bring it back. Although that hopefully there won't be that much to bring back and they're doing all the shipping and everything. So uh, if I do all that, then hmm, that's going to eat into this profit. And I think it's really important. And that's one thing I didn't used to do at the beginning is mm-hmm. actually calculate these things. So I thought, Oh, I can do this framing this, I'm always saying I can't do it. And you know how I always say people shouldn't say I can't do technology. They should sit down and work it out because everyone can do it. Well, I realized I was a little bit doing that with framing like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not handy. I just can't do handy things. So I followed the system that the Andy who does it for me normally uses, which is very similar to what you put on Instagram of how you frame. And uh, and I worked my way through it and I started with the really small ones that were easiest and got my confidence and got into a system. And then I managed to work my way up to I'm up to the 24 by 24s. But I counted yesterday, I framed 32 paintings so far. And that includes so got, putting them in the frames, putting D-rings on. They don't want wires because of their hanging system, but putting D-rings on then making stiffy bags for each one because they are going to ship them out again. And I want to make sure they're in some good packaging. So at least if I make a strong bag for them to go into, that'll help. So making bags. So also I can transport them up there and it's exhausting. The first day that I did it all day, when I stopped at four o'clock, I realized, Oh, I'm quite wobbly and, I'm really exhausted. <laughs> like I, I'm not used to physical labor like this. I think I press really hard when I'm screwing in because I'm nervous and I just think I put a lot of extra effort into it, which isn't necessary. But anyway, that is basically what I've done for three days and there are still more to do. Not, not too many more. And there's some edges to paint on the ones which are too big to go in a frame. Yeah, there's some really big ones which are not going to be framed, but I need to paint the edges. There's still a bit of vanishing to do. So that's what I've been doing. I hope by the end of the week to have everything packaged and ready to just be taken up to the gallery. So I've got some mental space for everything else I have to do. But we'll see. The feeling when it goes is really good. Yeah. 
even I've moved as I package them up and putting them I'm lucky enough to have this well it's like a little studio flat over our garage and nobody's staying in there at the moment so I'm just taking things over and putting them in there that's up the stairs though yeah that's the other thing it's up and downstairs up and downstairs to my studio up and downstairs to there so for for somebody who's not in the best of shape at the moment it's been a good workout but it's nice when I put them in there and they're all packaged neatly and they're all just piled up um it's a nice feeling and it will be amazing when they go I think I love that feeling sometimes people say they must ask you as well how do you let go of your paintings and I I am like right see ya (laughs) I can't wait I I really can't wait for them to go because it gives me mental space for the next thing that I want to make and I'm so excited to get making things and I can't because I have got to do this and I haven't got the space to do both so I need to be either vanishing and framing or creating because I don't have a big enough space to have half for one thing and half for the other I think it's a very different, it is a very different mental space mindset as well. Um, you know, it, it's it's a job mindset going through all the framing stuff. I quite like it. it. For me, it gives me that pause between one set of work and another. And it's it's a way of finalising it. But I agree with you. If I've recorded a little thing the other day, I haven't done anything with it, about feeling nervous about when you finish a group of work like this I don't know if you have this but you know when you're in the middle of making it you're happy you're involved in the decisions and the questions about making the work and then it comes to that stage where you're like oh okay this is done you know a little like whoop, exhilaration it's done I'm happy with it great and then there's that bit where you're like <laughs> now I've got to share it to you a little bit like what you said a couple of weeks ago like you were worried about when the gallery was going to come well it's too yeah. late now but but that kind of feeling of oh no I've got to share it to people and kind of get things ready and oh what does that mean and so I recorded this thing that was basically me talking to myself going don't feel nervous about it start to feel excited about the next lot of work Mm-hmm. And all of that is percolating in my mind, but I'm re- I'm quite enjoying the sort of juicy anticipation stage of it, knowing that I can't physically doing anything about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the kind of way that I feel about it. It's a little bit like when we create, it's almost like breathing, like when we're creating, I don't know, breathing in or breathing out, but you've got to have both. You've got to have that sort of pause. If you're on creation, 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 I think that's, depleting um and I'm sure there are better better ways to recover and recuperate than framing but it is a pause still yeah it is it is it's just so tiring I don't know I find this draining I suppose because I don't enjoy it and the difference this time I suppose as well is I actually do have some ideas I'm chomping to get going on yeah sometimes I'm it's a blank sometimes um, I don't know what's going to be next. Yeah, but I'd already kind of started to move into something really exciting to me. I'm not saying anybody else would be excited. So these feel like they're in the way. They're yeah. just like, go away and let me get on with what I want to do next. I'm really making a big sales pitch for these paintings. Aren't I? I'm very <laughs> proud of them, but it's just that they're done now. Yeah. And it is, it is a physical, it is a physical takeover. Like, you know, there is bits of paintings and framings and stackings and packings in every room of the house and, you know, props and tools and materials and scissors that aren't in the right place and, you know, bits left over and three still more to do because they're going out separately and all of that sort of stuff. It takes over. I'm too lazy, though. I don't bring anything upstairs. It all just sits around the dining table and no one can use the table. So. <laughs> They just you, got to live with it every day. The, that's interesting. You don't do this part in your studio. No, no. Is that is there a logistical reason, or just you just prefer to be at home doing it? I prefer the studio feels like messy. I have trestle tables in the in the, in the studio. They almost don't feel quite as solid for this, and also there's just there's just stuff there. Whereas at home. I f- two things. Firstly, if I'm doing them and framing them and photographing and checking them, 
I'm doing that at home. The light's better at home than it is in the studio. Um, I might be checking things with my computer. Um, I might need to have a break. I might need to have more cups of tea than normal lunch. I'm just, as I asked you that question, actually, and as you're answering it, I'm smiling, thinking if Alice's husband did listen to this podcast, which I don't think he does, he'd be thinking, good question, Louise. (laughs) Why doesn't it happen at the studio? Yeah, why doesn't it happen? Well, I, partly it doesn't happen because, you know, the frames were delivered here. Yeah. Finished them here. They were laid out here while the wax was drying. Um, I suppose I could have taken them all to the studio and done it there. It doesn't really matter, does know. it? It's just amusing to me that you've got this great big space and the stuff's still all over the house. I think partly it's because I've just always done this part of it yeah. at home. So yeah. it's just that just feels it feels more habit whereas the creating is a different space that's what happens in the studio yeah. that's interesting um, so what else apart have you, and I saw that you've been framing but have you been doing anything else this week well so my framing was is was kind of done at the weekend um so I had to I took everything to the gallery and it transpires that it's gone a little bit differently from how I expected in the sense that, you know, I said to you, it's just like one wall in the entrance room. There's mm-hmm. not that, you know, three paintings, maybe one behind the, the desk, but I took everything that I'd done and I kind of said, I've got more than you need. There's definitely more than you've got space for. So you can have a look, choose and reject the others and I'll take them home and stuff, you know, do those directly, however you want. They were like, okay, bring them in. So we had a look and they were like, oh, oh, yes, we'll have that one. Oh, yes, we'll have that one. Oh, that one could go here. And they took me out and they started moving all the other paintings off the wall. (laughs) So she said, okay, leave them all with us. And so I left with a completely empty car feeling, okay, this is good. I thought I would have at least some big ones to go direct, but this is good. Go with it. And yesterday they sent me photos. They've put them in the whole space. Wow. And it looks amazing. And I was just thinking it's, it's interesting because if they had said, we want to do this and you need to make enough work to fill the space, I would have made it a big effing deal. It would have been a big effort. It is a big deal, you know, but in my head, I would have been like, oh, that's so much to do that. It would have been a pressure. Whereas doing it this way, because I've just been working and it's just like, well, here they are. It's just felt like, oh, that was easy. And see all those really nice. and that nervous feeling. Just yes. like with me when I thought, oh, they're going to come and say, it, that nervous feeling was for nothing because they loved it all and wanted it all it's still there though because I'm still thinking well this is this is great but but you know what happens if they've got them for six weeks and then they don't sell any and then I maybe could have done the you know honestly what are we like what are we like I was doing that with the gallery manager when she was here I was saying right so you might sell a lot on the first day because I'm doing a private view by email and you might sell a lot on the first day and need to be prepared and how how are you going to answer the emails and then I kept saying of course you might not sell any like (laughs) I'm saying all this but I don't actually know that's going to happen so you feel like you're almost tempting fate by saying that so let me just backtrack and say that Actually, they might all sit there and you might be sending them all home to me again at the end. But this is the truth of it, isn't it? Is that you never know. You you genuinely never know. Every situation is different. And I think your confidence does build because you do have evidence that things work. People are interested. Like even at Manchester last year, when I felt like, well, this is a new town. Nobody knows me here. I haven't done an art fair for a long time. And these were complete strangers. So there was no mm, people who followed social media support. There wasn't that element of it. So, you know, you can gather evidence, but you still feel it. It just, I don't know. I don't think it ever, I just don't think it ever goes away. It's just not letting it really take take root so um this was a nice surprise yesterday and I'm excited and I do feel now like like that you know I mentioned breathing big sigh of relief Mm. it's lovely um 
And the other thing that I've been doing, as you mentioned, is just playing a little bit more on Instagram, not that much, with reels versus stories. I love stories on Instagram. I love watching other people's stories. I love the conversations that happen over them. If I'm honest, a few months ago, I thought I spend too much time relying to individual private comments on stories. And there, yeah, there is benefit for that, for the, you know, connection, the conversation that's happening between me and that other person. But that's all behind closed doors. There is no benefit to that publicly and for other people. Hmm, I wonder if this is the best way of doing things. And I wonder if this is where Reels is coming in instead, because this might just be me, but my story reach, maybe because I've been less engaged with it this is you know a complete self-fulfilling prophecy but you know I've only done I don't know what it is 60 or something stories over the last 30 days when I looked yesterday which is not that many for me but the reach is not as good Mm. a couple of times I've experimented so I've put a little bit of a video on a story and then in a post to compare so this framing thing I would have traditionally done as a story because it's not that thrilling it's not visually that thrilling um I did it as a reel and so far it's reached 50,000 people yeah I found the same thing I've only done a few reels yeah massively more reach than stories yeah Um, and like you say the comments instead of um, I cannot stand it when there's a, a thing that shows me that there's unread comments, you know, mm-hmm. when it's red dot and I can't bear it. I have to go through everyone and clear them. Mm-hmm. Most of them are smiley faces or hearts mm-hmm. on stories. So it's like, okay, that's nice. Thank you. But there's so many that, to clear them all. Whereas when you do a reel, it's more comments. Mm-hmm. Notice people have to comment rather than well, you know, they can like, but you don't have to, you just see that you've got so many likes, you don't read each one. Yeah. And you do get a lot more engagement and reach. So I agree, yeah. but it's just oh, I, I, one more thing to learn. Uh, there was something I couldn't work out when I was doing mine. How to, I, I knew I could have looked it up, but I just thought I can't, I can't be bothered. I've got enough in my head. So I'm just going to leave it like it is. But I will eventually learn it. But don't you find, can I ask you though, reels intensely annoying as you go through your feed? I just find them annoying. Music blares out at me. Right. Always the same piece of music or the same people saying the same, taking the same verbal thing and acting it out. And Yeah, I think reels are changing already. I think when they came along, there was a lot of, and there still is, you know, the lip synky one. I can't do a lip synky one because I can't get my lips synced. I don't know. <laughs> you do it to the audio and say it in time and, oh, you know. And they're the dancing and they're being funky and they're being entertaining. This was literally, like I say, what I would have put in stories in reels. Mm, mm. And actually, it no, takes no longer to do. So where you might have done a little video and then a still with a caption over it and then a little bit of a video again just do it in a reel, just do it in one go. Mm. Um, and I, I'd done it. And because it was um, a speeded up thing of me doing this framing, I was looking for music and I felt very much like you. And I, I hear from people, I don't like reels. They jump at you. They're noisy. And I thought, well, just do it silent then. Just mm. do it silent. Don't put me like, because I put frantic music on and it made my head hurt and I put that calm drifty music on and it felt like irrelevant and I just thought well just don't put anything on then half the time people have their phone their audio off because reels are so annoying so the audio is off anyway so just do it silent and I thought this will probably completely flop because it's silent because I haven't used all the features of Instagram um because people are used to hearing things and they'll think there's something missing because there's no sound doesn't seem to have flopped no so I think it's a good it's a good lesson in like what you know what do you like about them and what do you not like about them so I'm it's just it's it's taken time but it's changed my mind into 
how I see reels. And I think it is just, I think they can be a nice, they can be as calm as you want them to be. You can do slow video. You can do one short clip of video with just writing over the top. Doesn't have to be endlessly complicated, edited together things or noisy. Mm. So I think there's some benefit in them, which I'm going to explore a little bit more. Um, And I suppose my concern with them is, is that, yeah, if they're great for reaching new people, and I've definitely seen, you know, over the last few days, an uptick in followers, not as much as I got from a recent post, it has to be said, but whether the quality of those followers is people who are going to stick around. But actually, you know, people come and go, people unfollow every day. So if they don't see what they like, they'll go, won't they? Don't bother me. But a mindset change, I think, with reels that has taken time to grow. But I'm beginning to feel like, yeah, okay, I can see something here that I might start to like without just swearing and effing at Instagram that they've changed things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was a long chatty intro, but I think it's kind of brought up some of these things about... Maybe the myths that we have, and that's it really, isn't it? The myth that we have about what making art is, what it entails, what we have to do. And I think often if we knew a lot of these things in advance, well, here's the question. If we knew a lot of the things in advance that something takes, would you still set out on the path of doing it? Yes. Yes, because I was thinking, I did a post on Instagram saying, even though framing is genuinely painful for me, I still think it's, that's the worst thing in my job. That's not so bad. You know, I'm still here on my own, listening to podcasts or music, having a quiet, nice time on my own, rather than being shouted at or made to go clean toilets or made to stand at the side of the road with one of those signs saying, go and stop when the traffic, those poor people who have those jobs and, you know, and I've had horrible jobs in the past in a different way. And so, yes, absolutely. I would, but I'd probably set out and do it better if I knew you know, I wouldn't make some of the mistakes, obviously. It's like everything in life. If you knew, if I could go back eight years now, I would do some things differently. Can you give us one? Yeah, so right at the beginning, long before I knew you, um, I was doing these black and white ink, semi-realistic, well, realistic, but a bit naive drawings. And they were really popular with people on Facebook and people would buy them off me. It started with someone writing and saying, can I have one of those? And I had no idea what to charge for it. So I said, make me an offer. And they said 60 pounds and I nearly fell over and said, yes, please. You know, and I took the money. But because of a little bit of Facebook interest from people who knew me, I thought, oh, right, I'm onto something here. And I did exactly what I've seen some people do, which is to whiz into, right, how can I make this into a business? So I went and bought cards. Um, I got a load of cards made of those drawings. I set up prints. I think I did do prints, made prints available through a print on demand. Uh, So I paid for the photography and the scanning of those things and all of that. And then within a few months, I was bored of black and white drawings and I wanted to move on. And I had a big box full of cards, which I recently cleared out because I don't want to sell those to anybody. It's not representative of me anymore. I got business cards at that time. I just went all in, yeah, you know, without stopping. So I'm not necessarily regret it because it couldn't have cost that much in the scheme of my life. And it was a lesson learned. But if you could go back, that would be the kind of thing that I would slow down and just not race for the finish. I think the the positive in that is the recognition that the commitment to it, you know, like, okay, here's something, you know, the enthusiasm behind that, (laughs) that drove you into making those decisions, you know, it's a commitment to yourself doing all of those things and getting those things organized. And there was a learning in that. Um, 
it comes back to what we were saying two weeks ago, doesn't it? About this thing of being in too much of a hurry, Mm. like wanting to get somewhere too soon. But I think making it into a business too soon is definitely a mistake, partly because it ties you up with all kinds of worries or concerns, which if they come too early, take you away from the core thing which at the start should always be development of your work. Now, that's not to say that there aren't things that you can do for your business at an early stage. Get foundations in place, do things that help. Business cards is not one of them. (laughs) Um, You know, there are things that you can be thinking of that will help, but I think you're right, racing into making something a business too, too soon is not helpful. I wasn't good enough. My work wasn't good enough for anything mm. other than, I mean, it could have, those drawings could have been sold in local gift shops and uh, little maybe Dale's art galleries. It'd be the kind of thing someone might pick up on their holidays. Those cards that I had, the greetings cards probably could have been sold in shops like that, but I wasn't passionate enough about it to go round to those shops and start pushing those things because deep down I knew this isn't um this isn't really good enough in my mind I'm not saying it's not good enough if someone else was doing it but I knew there was more inside me that I wanted to get out and that wasn't it and at each stage I kind of did that I'd do something that people liked and I think yeah but it's not I know it's not what I know is possible so what do you think what was it at that stage because I think very often people do get something or they see something that they can see might be commercially viable even if it's artistically something that they want to develop further and they people get wrapped up in that you knew that that wasn't a place that you wanted to stay and you were what's the right word brave enough to keep shifting I think so one of the things is the ability to acknowledge when you're at a stage that you need to leave behind yeah Somebody, I'll ask you this question because somebody asked me this question on the Q and A right. last night yeah. on my in my group. She said, "I, I know you say to do what we love, yeah." And she said, "I've only just started to make paintings that I love and that people seem to want to buy, but I'm making the same marks often, and I feel like when is it time to push past what is natural?" Hmm. And the key for me in that was I've only just started to make things I love. I think if you're loving it and people are buying it and you're loving it, keep going. But there's a point where, like me with those drawings, where you are no longer happy with it. You feel a bit bored. You feel a bit, "Mm, yeah, I could do more. I want to try something new. And I think that's the point where some people go, but this thing I'm doing is successful, so I'm going to stay here. And some other people say, all right, let me go try whatever the new thing is. And I don't think there's a right or wrong in either of those, by the way. It's whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Because for some people, maybe just doing the same thing and producing it and selling it and paying the bills is is plenty. Yeah. I, th- I think it comes down to satisfaction for me. Um, and perhaps that's one of the reasons I like some of the physical manual tasks, you know, like framing, because that is easy. <laughs> like that's easier in comparison to what I'm trying to do in my work. And I think if the if I was happier that the paintings were, I don't know what the right word is. 
a little bit more automatic. Like I knew that I had a system and a flow and I knew what I was trying to achieve. And I had a process that I knew was going to get me there easily. And I was happy creating in that way. And I know that there are lots and lots of artists who do this. And there are as many different ways of doing this as there are artists. And but I, I think if you enjoy making art that way, I, I just wonder if you get your kicks from something a little bit different, that like you get your kicks from the gentle enjoyment of the process and making something that, you know, people will like. And it's but it's less challenging than being what I feel like I'm on this like perpetual, endless treadmill. This makes it sound really bad. It's not. It's an exciting treadmill of what next? What now? What's different? What's new? How can I take this further? That's quite a lot of pressure. And maybe that's why I quite like the pauses for the things that are like the framing, because I don't see making the art like that. Um, Because that in itself possibly isn't satisfying enough to me. Did you always know that at the beginning that making art was going to be about finding satisfaction for yourself or did you view it in a different way when you first started out? I was just so when I first started out I was so thrilled that I was carving out time in my family life young family life that I was doing something for me one thing I was committing to it enough because it was important to me and I was making more time for it than just going to like an evening class once a week um that I was having to do things like a little bit set intentions for myself and be self-motivated that that was quite a challenge so being able to do that and then to get it to the stage where I actually got three finished paintings hallelujah you know Honestly, get the party poppers out, massive sense of achievement. You yeah. know, finding a framer, a local framer to do them. And I had to go to this because the high street framers were too expensive. So the one that I was using then, it was it's really interesting actually. It's in the sort of um business warehousey area that my studio is now. And I felt like completely fraudulent um art going to this okay there's there's real businesses operating here and I'm going to take my little paintings that I've just finished (laughs) but it felt kind of you know grown up and a bit scary and he's framing them he's not laughing me out of the door yeah but I had no idea I think it's like like when you have children you have no idea what would you do it again yeah absolutely in a heartbeat would you do it if you knew what it entailed (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you would. Yes, you would in a heartbeat. But if you knew what it entailed, you'd still be like, oh, I have to do all that. But if someone had told me if you do, and this is why I like teaching, because if someone had told me, but if you do these things, you will find, like in my case, what I teach, you will find your own creative way and you will come up with something original and personal to you and you won't feel like a a secret fake when you're selling these things to people that they like, but you don't feel like they're that great. Yeah. I would have loved to have known that because the thing I didn't believe when I started out, and maybe this is why I'm so passionate again about getting people to believe it about themselves is I didn't believe I had any ability to make something unique and different that I'd be really proud of. I knew I was good at drawing. I knew I could make things look like what they're supposed to be. And I knew I could do that in a slightly creative way that was a bit different, but I didn't. I would look at proper artists that I admired and think, wow, I wish I'd been given that ability. I wish I had what they have. I genuinely didn't even consider for a second that was inside me. And once I discovered that it's inside everyone, but you just have to tap into it, that changed the trajectory of what I did because then I didn't start pushing things too quickly because then I understood that the key now is to get as unique or individual or personal, I suppose the word is, because 
what's unique in this now everything seems to have been done but personal to me mm. something I haven't seen before on Instagram in quite the same way something that I know is mine mm. I would have spent more time really developing that maybe I would have said to myself three years of studying taking classes working on your own whatever learning to be as good as you can be and then start thinking about other things because I had a job so I could stick you know I was earning money I didn't have to make art my income and it didn't become my income no matter how hard I pushed at that beginning stage it was never going to become my income because I wasn't good enough yet yeah I think there's an element of learning from other people and hearing things from other people. And like when you say, if somebody had told you that, and I always just think it's all very well, other people can tell you things or show you things. You have to believe it. It's like those, um, what's it called when you read yourself a thing in the morning? I am. Affirmation. That, yeah. You know, it, it's only actually going to work if it's at a level that, you know, that you believe. If it feels too distant for you, I just don't think that we have that connection with it. The gap is too great. So it all, it all just comes down to your commitment to the next step of the process, following your enthusiasm, following your interest, knowing that there's something in you that you have to honour And for me, I've said this before, it was not wanting to live with the idea that if I didn't do this, I would always wonder what would have happened if. Mm. What would have happened if I'd committed? What would have happened? Because nobody knows. You don't know what the future is going to look like. You don't know how it's going to pan out. You don't know whether what you think you want now in two years time is actually going to be what you want two years time or if it's even going to be relevant in your life in two years time but you do have to be committed enough to follow the journey of it yeah and I think it's it's difficult because we do inevitably see people around us who are often a lot further on and then all we see is the gap all we see is it Ira11's gap, the gap between where we are and where we want to go. Yeah. And actually, the things that have helped me along the journey are being in contact and being surrounded by people who, yeah, are ahead because we need a little bit of that. This is possible. But being with other people who are on the journey with us and seeing them do things that you, you, you might have thought six months ago, oh, that wasn't possible for me. Oh, well, look what's happened seeing that magic happen with other people makes you believe that it's more likely to happen for you I think that that's ultimately what gives you the confidence and this is not just an art thing this goes it goes into sport it goes into you know this this challenge that I did with John Williams that was people getting up off their asses and taking an idea that they had had for a business of all sorts of things and trying the smallest version possible of it just to test it out and that 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 was it for me I had never before been surrounded by people who people talk about these things like everybody can talk it's like everyone's like oh I could write a book yeah have you Mm. (laughs) have you have you have you done it have you done it for more than three days have you done it for more than a week have you done it through all the boring bits Mm. don't just talk about it and I so I think being with people who are on it with you that's the absolute game changer I think that's true that's really true and I think the other thing that really helped me is when I learned to shift from measuring my successes as in a finished painting or a you know by what other people said because at first I was entirely driven by someone saying something nice um and you know do you like it do you like it do you think it's okay is this good and if at the time the only artist I really knew was my life drawing teacher and so I'd put something on Instagram and if she clicked like or said a comment it's like okay this must be good then because she's an artist and she thinks it's good um and really learning that the the reason I wasn't happy even when she clicked like was that I knew they weren't at the level 
that I expected of myself, like you say, the gap, yeah. I knew, okay, it's all right, but it's still not like, well, at the time I was following you, so it's still not like what Alice does. It's still not like what Karen Stamper does. Hi, Karen, if you're listening. It's still not what like what Leslie Birch does or these people who I had come to find on Instagram and was admiring their work. I knew it wasn't that there. I didn't know what to do about it, but I knew it wasn't. So if I'd listened more early on, as I do now entirely to the internal voice and not the external validations or lack of, I think that would have been helpful in moving forward more quickly. And I'm not sure that moving forward more quickly, by the way, is even desirable, but we're just talking about things we didn't know when we started out. That's one of the things that I thought there was a kind of standard that was set by the art world and that you either reached that standard and got that validation from those people or you didn't. And then I realized you can get validation from this group of artists and this other group of artists over here will think what you're rubbish pile of donkey poo because you you know there'll be some conceptual artists who are massively successful and laughing at those of us who are trying to make paintings because oh my god how passe of you and at all levels you will never get to a level in the art world where everyone goes oh okay that's decided then you're a genius okay so the thing to ditch is this idea of waiting for approval from someone else either before you can start or for recognizing your achievements I mean like we all know we all know when we've done something that we feel good about for where we are right now Mm. nobody's very good at celebrating that are they for themselves so all like you know what, what does someone else think yeah, um, so it's being okay with it, with it, with the celebration stages, and also knowing that you're in that gap stage, isn't it? Getting comfortable in that gap, acknowledging yeah. there's going to be a gap, deal with it. That that is so hard for people. If if they say, but I'm, if I'm if I put a brush mark here, I might mess it up. Yeah, you might, and and you know what? You need to make a ton of absolutely shit paintings. Sorry. <laughs> but you also need to be okay with the fact they're shit and just know just because they're shit I'll get better Alice is not sure she agrees with me about this but I really believe that if I'd be more willing to make more crap um that I felt was crap and, and sometimes a good one and sometimes a bad one and not put any weight on either what would happen is I'd make a ton of bad ones, then a good one and think, oh, maybe I am some, maybe I am worthwhile because this one's okay, even though the others are rubbish. Really, it's just knowing that the rubbish is part of the gap and that's okay. You've got to be rubbish at first at everything. Yeah, no, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking that I disagree with you at all. I don't disagree with you at all. I'm thinking of a conversation we had on Co-Create this week about, um, we were actually talking about social media and um in this case twitter judgment of people who had made a mistake in their past and how and it wasn't boris gate uh how apologizing was no longer enough like even if somebody had done or said something 15 years ago and they came out and they said you know i shouldn't have done it it was a it, nothing that was illegal or anything like that but I was a fool. I shouldn't have done it. And just this sense that society now has such high expect. What is it? High expectations of everybody being perfect. And we were just talking about how, you know, that's so misleading. And actually, it's not good news for a society. A society to develop and grow has to have the ability to acknowledge error, to not you know, take people and, you know, acknowledge error, learn from mistakes, move forward. And I think that it's something that's a little bit lacking now. And maybe that's what's feeding more into the way we think about making art. Um, Maybe it's all tied up with this idea about how we see art displayed and even like going, you know, way back forever, well before social media, 
and we've mentioned this, I'm sure we have, but a long time ago, you know, the paintings that you see in a gallery are the ones that have chosen to be framed. Like, you don't see them in the middle stages. And this is one of the advantages of social media, but it's always got that slight twist on it, is that you are seeing people and people do actually talk about, you know, the grungy moments or the bits where they've lost motivation or the days where it's gone wrong. I think people do share that side of it now, which 10 years ago, Mm. you never saw that ever. There was, there just wasn't a platform for it. So for all we criticize social media, I think it has brought a little bit of reality into the process, even if it's weird social media reality. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, and you were saying about finding it's good to have a teacher who's a bit ahead of you to show you or a mentor or somebody you follow. But it's really great when that person is honest and open about all the problems that come with their work, because then you realize, oh, this really might be attainable for me. They're not perfect. They're not on a pedestal. They're doing all the same things I'm doing. And I do a lot of interviews for my art tribe community. And over and over again, the artists that I've interviewed, they're lovely and so open about saying all their insecurities. And then people watch them and say, oh, I didn't realize that person mm. felt like that. Oh, that gives me permission to feel. Totally. Okay. And I did, that's what I really lacked at first before I met you, because you were the one who created the first group I joined online. Before I met you, I really lacked that because I didn't have anyone to tell me that it's normal to feel all the things I was feeling and reassure me that if you just follow these steps, things will, you know, if you just keep working and you keep asking questions and you keep exploring and you don't try and make everything so good that someone says, oh, Louise, that's really good. That used to give me such a good feeling. Oh, that's so good. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah, I did that. Um, And now I get from the same people the opposite reaction because the same people don't like what I do now. So now I get, oh, right, okay. (laughs) I think we want that for ourselves, don't we? You know, I want that for myself. When I look at something, I want a little voice in me to go. And I don't Mm. care if that makes me big-headed, actually. You know, but I I need that little voice in me to go, you made that. Yes. You made that. For us, not from. Yeah. You know, and beginning artists will often drag their husband in from watching football and say, what do you think? I made this. And the poor spouse, it could be a wife. The poor spouse is like, uh, (laughs) can I, they're going to say the wrong thing because they don't care. They don't like her. They don't know what you're trying to do. Not always, of course, some people are fortunate, but you ask the wrong people. And then you, and, and what happened to me is because I got validation from the wrong people, just meaning people whose art tastes were not what I wanted to be making, then that cements me on the wrong track. Yeah. The wrong track for me. Which just brings me to one point I'd just like to add, maybe before we wrap up, which is that what I have found so valuable on this path is that I think when we're at the beginning stage and, and I'm looking up, and I've got all these books here, uh, the collage workshop, landscape painters workbook, how to do travels with my watercolor, drawing in, a, you know, all of those. When we start making art, I think we have a pull towards the how do I do it? And I think pretty quickly you start hitting all these little blocks, but I don't feel this, or what about this, or all the worries, all the, the, the mindset things, and those are the things that can stop us. So one of the things that I think has been a, a massive um, a myth and also the thing that's been really helpful is it is not just about the art. It is about how you are in life. It is about acknowledging to learn to understand yourself and the work that you do in that area is never 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 wasted and it just becomes this beautiful circle of the art that you make and I it's not that one thing leads the other but it really does kind of go round in a circle and pull back so for me learning about well just all sorts of different things that we've spoken about along the way just 
maybe law of attraction thinking or being careful about the words you choose when you're talking about your art and your art practice, even from something as simple as, oh, yeah, I just made that painting to, yeah, I made that painting. You know, that intonation of your voice, how you see it for yourself, how you portray yourself to others, that kind of thing, massively hand in hand in that. And I think that probably doesn't get spoken about enough. Yeah, so true. And I didn't realize that when I started this, if you'd have told you said at the beginning, would you do this again? Well, if you'd have told me, if you really focus on making your own work and try and make something as good as you can and try and make something unique, your life will completely transform. And you will become a confident person because I was very shy and insecure and you will do things you can't even imagine now mm. because that comes out of hello Seth this. Godin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's listening <laughs> he tunes in every week um but all the things to you running connected artists me teaching my course the just and life things that have happened because of making art, my own art and not things to please other people it's unbelievable and it makes you think well however much longer we have left to do this what else are we going to create for ourselves in our life because mm -hmm. we created art and that's what I did not understand so when people are rushing to like I did print up cards and make a business and get going they're missing the the evolution it's like a flower in slow motion I always think like you see on tv it's like that and it just keeps blooming but unlike the flower it doesn't stop and all the petals mm. fall off it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and that is the more we give ourselves to just being creative and learning and growing the better our lives get yeah and it ties in too doesn't it too it's not just by following your art this is what it can lead to you I think that you know, we talk about you talk about lots about you know if art is an expression of you well you've got to work on you as well then mm. you know you've got to have something interesting to say so make an interesting life because it's quite hard to make art if you're not also I think you know thinking exploring experiencing all of these other things as well yeah um, so yeah we got a big old thrill we did we got it, quite didn't deep and profound didn't we <laughs> yeah did we we had a title we might have to revise the title yeah. <laughs> actually do you know what there's in the notes here <laughs> the title when we first started talking it just shows you how things change in the course of a conversation I'd written down natural nerves and desperation that's not what we talked about at all <laughs> Okay, so one of the reasons that you're tired is that you've also been getting everything ready for your free workshop experience, which is once a year. And I know that one of the reasons that you love doing this, like we make this podcast really, is because it is one of the ways that people can come together, experience things, open up some of those cracks and see what's possible in their art making. It's what drives it, isn't it, really? Yeah, and it's a bit of the magic that you talked about. Like, I'm there leading the workshop and my coaches, I have some coaches now help, and we're explaining things and we're giving assignments. But the real beauty of it, the magic of it, is in the community that builds around it, seeing what other people are doing, you know, seeing other people gain confidence. So you try things and, and people make friends. We only go for eight days. And some people make friends in that eight days with mm. people that they stay in touch with from that Facebook group. And it is a Facebook group. So not everyone wants to be in a Facebook group and you can do the course without that. But you get extra magic when you are part of a group that's sharing what they're doing. And for some people, it's the first time they've ever shared any artwork to other people apart from family, you know, and put things online. And it's so what we do is it's eight days and it's completely free and we just give everything to it. It's a full time thing for us for eight days. And um, there are video lessons which come by email. There are assignments to do. Or, um, there are live Q&A chats to discuss the assignments and answer questions. We, get, we answer everybody's questions in those chats, however long it takes. 
and it lasts for eight days and it's just it's really tiring by the end of eight days and it's really good fun because it's just lovely to help people and the ads have started to go out on Facebook and I'm starting to see comments from people already saying oh this just sounds like what I need or this sounds like what I've been looking for and it's lovely to think you know if even one person's life opens up because of this and I know it's a lot more than one person I know it's been thousands of people since I started and it's people still write to me and say your eight-day workshop changed Mm -hmm. my life and I didn't even do the full course but this I didn't need to because it gave me everything I needed and that makes me really happy so yeah I love doing it even though it's tiring so when does that start it starts on May the 20th we actually open the Facebook group about a week earlier than that so that people can get to know each other but we start the course on the 20th okay and we were having a conversation before this about arranging dates and things for future recordings and Louise said This is not the first conversation I've had like this this week. If you talk to me about that now, I won't remember because that is like, you know, four weeks away and I can't remember. So if the 20th of May feels like a long time away and you want to get reminders, how do how do where do people go to get reminders? Oh, good point. Yes. So just come to my website, louisefletcherart.com. And there's a tab at the top of the page says for artists and you will see learn with me there and it's there. Or on the homepage, you can scroll down a little bit and you'll see a sign up box. If you have any problems, you can just email me through the form on my website and we'll get you signed up. Perfect. 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 Okay, so um, I'm going to go first with my what's inspired because it was just quite funny but also it follows on a little bit from that. Um, so Louise's thing is the 20th of May. If that feels like a long way away, I've got something for you that you can do before then. Um, it's something that both Louise and I have been part of in the past. And this is uh, Kelly Wynn Studios Free Art Summit. And you can take part in it. It's done on a um, pay what you can basis. And she has 16 artists, I think, this year, all sharing lessons to get you inspired. So a brilliant warm up. If you love learning from other people, that is definitely something to go over and have a look at. And that will keep you busy until Louise's starts. Um, And what was quite funny, what actually inspired me was I saw that she was doing a live yesterday on Instagram. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes because I haven't done a live on Instagram for a long time. And so I was answering some of her comments and then I just thought, well, I'll do the join thing. And we just had a really nice chat. And honestly, if I'm honest, it was just because I was avoiding putting all the images on my website. (laughs) (laughs) But we had a very nice cross cross Atlantic chat about, you know, all the things artist inspired, time inspired. How do you find your style voice all the thing that we've talked been talking about today learning from other people um so there are lots of fabulous ways to go and you know gather all this stuff and you'll you'll find your tribe that way it was fun it was just fun doing an impromptu doing yeah, things I wa- impromptu I you this morning I watched you while I was getting ready I listened to you <laughs> while I was getting ready <laughs> it popped up on my Instagram could you tell that I was avoiding <laughs> No, because I missed you saying that. If you said that, I missed that. I just saw you chatting away and I thought it was a scheduled thing. No, no, nothing's nothing scheduled. Doing things impromptu, let them happen. That's going to be the way I want to do things these days. So what about you? What's inspired this week? Well, actually, I've changed my inspiration after our conversation. I was going to say one thing and I've changed it and I've written that it's an anti-inspiration. Um, what I mean by that is, so while I was doing my framing, you know, on YouTube, sometimes things just come up after the video you're watching. So I ended up going down a rabbit hole of watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's trial. And I find trials on TV fascinating anyway. I always have, like, I just like the whole thing. So in the background, it's playing the whole time. And I'm just, I just kept thinking, who would want to be famous? Who would want that life? They're talking about penthouses and and security staff and people everywhere and five penthouses that they owned in this place. And 
and going on yachts and their life was utterly, utterly miserable Mm -hmm. in every way. And there's drug addiction and there's alcohol and there's violence and there's misery. And you, you get kids now, I know kids now that want, Oh, I want to be a YouTuber. You know, being famous is, is somehow still a thing that we aspire to. And yet over and over again, we see in our lives that it, it, often leads to really bad things and it just made me feel um maybe these things are entertaining for us to watch because they give us a little frisson of oh my life's not so bad after all (laughs) like oh I can think you know I'm doing okay when I it, it I don't know it just it made me feel really really sad and sorry for one of the parties I won't say which one and it also made me just feel relieved and happy to be in my quiet little life, you know, with my just normal things. And yeah. So it, going back to this topic about what we, what we don't know when we start out, I wonder if those people would have aspired to what they attained, what they did, if they'd known these are all the costs that are going to come with it. And when we are, I don't know if there's a warning tale in there for us because I don't know if any of us or any of us listening are ever going to reach a level where those kind of things are, are uh, a problem. But just thinking about what we're aspiring to and why and what's actually important in life. And I don't know, it, it's been sad, but also kind of enjoyable. <laughs> I heard it. They must be pushing it because I heard a little bit of something that must have been on YouTube as well. And what struck me, just in relation to what you've said, was how much he didn't want this. He didn't set out. He wanted to be a musician. Mm. He wanted to be a musician. And uh, John Cage, the actor, said, Oh, you could come and you know, let me introduce you to my agent. You could come and be an actor. And he got paid something like a thousand dollars for a week's work, which he said was so great. He'd never seen that much money before for being a kind of bit part actor in a, and he said, then everybody tried to force him into being like teen musician and he didn't want to do it. And he's always kept playing music. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Along the side. And it made me feel sad because I just thought, I'm sure that there are decisions that I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but there are decisions made along the way and people have all sorts of reasons for making decisions. But that's a life spent not doing what you want to do. Mm. Mm. So it's supposed to be what's inspired and it's ended up being what's bummed us out this week. (laughs) But it is, it does kind of, like I say, there is something in humans that likes to see I don't know other people's problems so we can think oh well I think that's why I'm not I don't really read about I'm not the weirdo yeah I don't I don't ever read celebrity gossip or know what I don't even know celebrities are anymore I'm so out of touch but this just happens to have come up and and I realize this is why people like reading about the royal family's problems or whoever because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves yeah 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 happy life right oh but the, I must say I'm sorry I must yeah. add this is the most interesting thing about the trial for me people might have seen this an artist came on he was a painter with no money and no collectors and somehow Johnny Depp saw his work and loved it and said let me get you a studio and you can just paint and then we'll get you an exhibition and then we'll get you and he funds this guy. I think he still does because they made it in the trial like, oh, well, isn't he paying you to have a studio? And isn't he? But imagine that. So, everybody listening, you never know who might one day just see your painting and say, let me give you thousands and thousands of pounds to go away and paint. <laughs> and you still probably wouldn't be happy with it. That'd still be yeah. <laughs> something that you'd say, oh, I don't know. I feel like I'm owned by Joe. Well, this guy said I was supposed to be making paintings for a show and the pressure and I couldn't do it. So I went to him after two years and said, I still haven't got anything. And he went, "Ah, don't worry about it. Come in, sit down. You need to relax. You're too stressed out. So the ideal patron is too busy with a bottle of whiskey to care what you do. (laughs) 
Oh dear. Sorry. That right. Was... On that note, yeah. lovely. We will um, wrap up for this week. Have a great week ahead, everybody. Um, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.